forgotten man. Is that what they're saying? That's what they're saying. Well, did you ever? What a swell party this is. And have you heard the story of a boy, a girl unrequited love? You're a soap opera. Brings a tear to the eye. Tune in tomorrow. What a swell party this is. What frames, what frocks. What broads. What furs, what rocks. They're fabulous, darling. Why, I've never seen such gaiety in my life. Me neither. Oh, it's all so take your breath away. This French champagne. Domestic. So good for the bread. That's just what I was going to say. You know you're a brilliant fellow. Well, thank you. Speak up, Jack. Please don't eat that glass, my friend. Have you heard about dear plan? All righty, guys. Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce, hiding down in her own virtual heart-shaped musical box, the girl who bestills my heart every single day, our very own musical maven and producer, Dee. Well, isn't that just the cutest thing ever? And I actually really love that song, too. Uh, both I don't know about ever. I get pretty damn cute sometimes you, and lovable. Y- yes, you do. you do. When I'm not frothing at the mouth and waxing political. You do. Lots of things going on tonight. Speaking of music, before yes. we jump in and before I get our um, special co like fill in co host in, um, speaking of music, you are auditioning for AGT this year. I am. Um, so when if you got when everybody sees me on America's Got Talent, you'll have to vote for me if I get to that when I get to that. There stage. you go. The power of positive thinking. When I get to that stage, yes, I. Um, I actually took a couple of my favorite songs and I've moved them down about a half step. That way I don't hurt myself when I belt those notes. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to be doing my audition video in the next few days. And then I will be in Savannah uh, in, what was it, October or November? I think it's November. I will be in Savannah to uh, audition live so we'll make it part of our new web series the misadventures of saucy which we're gonna do a beta run up to hopefully missouri to the ozarks visit mormo and visit rachel from king of the nerds yes it's gonna be lots and lots of fun and of course exciting fingers crossed and uh we will probably do um a couple of web videos a buddy of ours uh mr doug from the Life is Hard podcast will be visiting us um, here in at September. Hurricane Mountain. So uh, maybe we'll throw up a little bit of fun there, too. It'll be cool. Neato, torpedo. Do kids still say neato? No. I don't know all the cool lingo anymore. No, all right. Filling in for Odell tonight, my fair and balanced co-host on The Funny Thing About Politics and Kettle of Fish, and if you are not checking out those podcasts, shame on you. Mm-hmm. The girl who can tear it up on some salt and pepper on the old karaoke machine, <laughs> Fern Hart. Hey, guys. You know, it's really awesome to be here, unfortunately, uh, under, you know, not so great circumstances. But I did realize something tonight, guys. Mm-hmm. I realized this fills out the fabulous 
four. The funny thing about politics, the kettle of fish, the Friday night drunken trivia, and now co-hosting with you on Musical Osmosis. I've called in before, but I've never co-hosted with you before. So this is like an accomplishment. I, I feel fate. like very proud. What do you call four? I know three's trifecta. Is four like fivefecta? No. As a moist quad voice. Fecta? Quad uh, fecta. I don't think there's a fecta, guys. I don't think there's a fecta. I think it just no. there damn well should be. Fake geometry. Quadosomicity with the mm, trifecta of no. wonderfulness that is us? I don't know. All righty. Well, let's move on because this is um, going nowhere fast. Talking about <laughs> Odell. So here's what's weird. I'm going to give everybody an update. Musical Osmosis is actually going to be ending um, for a couple reasons. One, I've kind of gone through the catalog of everybody I really wanted to interview or I got a no from people I wanted to interview or no, you know, nobody contacted me back. But as soon as you got back, you were out in Maine helping your mom through chemo. The mm-hmm. week that you get back on the air with us, I get a note from Odell saying he has to go out of town and help his dad, who is going through a similar situation, and he doesn't know when he can come back on the show. So we're going to finish up the last two musical osmosis we have after tonight. Odell's going to call into the very last one, and then we're going to kind of wrap this up and kind of make Kettle of Fish a catch-all. For anything except politics, which we will be doing again after the funny thing about politics. It will become our after politics show again. Mm-hmm. So excited, Fern, or like, and it'll be every other week now, too. No, I'm excited. I mean, I think we've we've kind of tackled a lot of different stuff on Kettle of Fish, and I'm um, looking forward to tackling even more. Plus the politics, you know. Um, the ignorance equation could get kind of volatile. So the the funny thing about politics is a little more laid back and, uh, you know, a little more open. And that's kind of nice. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of saying excited about that. Saying kind of volatile is like saying this Trump-Kim Jong thing can get kind of volatile. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it could get really volatile. And honestly, behind the scenes, it got even more so at times. So. Um, you just kind of wrap your brain around that, you listeners who have even caught the ignorance equation in those moments. But, uh, but yeah, the funny thing about politics is a lot more laid back, relaxed, serious, intellectual, logical, funny, you know, kind of a, a, a good time, but not, you know, not too, not too light. I mean, we don't, we don't want to make light of this Kim Jong Trump thing, and I know no, you don't want to get into not. that right now. Right, yeah, and, and there's nothing but a love fest going on now behind the scenes, where before when it was, you know. The three of us on Ignorance Equation, things were quite toxic for a while. Yeah. So yeah, luckily and, we're you shifting know, gears. And, you know, you and I have conversations, and we agree on a lot, but honestly, the last week or so of our conversations, we've been like, hey, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. And, I mean, you actually fell farther right on something, and I was just like, whoa, that's kind of crazy, um, than I do, because I'm normally farther right than you are, not I'm not far right, but, you know, I tend to fall You're a little more conservative. bumming me out with these labels, man. Why can't we just be I people? Know. Why do no you more get to be right or left? No, yeah, I'm, we, I'm feeling We want frets, not boxes. <laughs> exactly. I, hey, there's something I want to hit. I wanted to hit it on Kettle of Fish, and we didn't have time. So, first, Dee, tell us everybody who's coming on the show the next couple weeks, and then I'll hit this last point. Of course. Oh, my goodness. So, this Sunday... We've got author and comedian Dylan Brody coming on. Uh, And then on upcoming shows, we've got magician Christopher Wonder. On the next Musical Osmosis, we have Dave Dichter from Millions of Dead Cops. And then on Funny Thing About Politics, we've got uh, comedian Heather Frink. 
kettle of fish we've got uh rapper b squid which is the one of the wildest names i've heard this week and on the last music she did the soundtrack for Benj, which was angela's show who yes. we had on this past sunday yes yes, yes. it's gonna be awesome then on the last musical osmosis we are going to say goodbye with super ugly from unified school district indeed and we do have the guys from red state update coming on the um september episode of yes. funny thing about Pop. and they are hilarious can't wait so good stuff coming up um so let me hit this last thing that's pretty interesting i was googling myself one day that sounds like a lead in one of these songs so i was googling myself one day and um my name came up and there's not many nick cat sources out there in the multiverse and under it it said it had the title of a book which the book was called oh god i don't have it on it was white house call girl White House Call Girl, and it had my name. You know, you can only see a couple sentences after the header. So it had my name on there, and I was like, what the hell is this? So I go ahead and I click it. I'm checking it out, and I see these names, and I realize that this book is a autobiography. I guess it's a – it's not an autobiography. I guess it was a biography about this really high-dollar madam in D.C., during the Nixon administration, and she was running whores to the Nixon administration, and um, it was part of the reason that the Nixon administration came tumbling down behind the scenes. It was another scandal that was going on, and we didn't have the internet and mainstream media then, so I don't know how much it was in the news back then. And I'm going through, and it's talking about like this little Greek gambling syndicate, and I was like, oh, shit, what is going on here? And my dad... Her name was Heidi Rankin, I think was the last name. My dad was in her little black book. And come to find out that my dad was kind of growing up, like in his early 20s, was in this gambling. I had always heard stories. Like you always hear rumors, family secrets and stuff. I had always heard stories growing up, but nothing I could grab a hold to. And come to find out my dad was actually part of like this little Greek gambling syndicate in D.C. And I guess he did a lot of business with those women. And for those who don't know, Nick and his father share the same name, though he is not a junior. So No, I'm not a junior. Well, my dad's a Nicholas, and I'm Nick yeah. on birth certificate. So, so I call my dad because I don't want to ask him straight out because I know he's not going to tell me because he's very private about his past. And I was like, hey, and it had a group of names in there. And it actually was like kind of like a little printout Xerox of this um, call girl's little black book. So I asked my dad, I said, hey, there was a bunch of Greek names in there. I was like, do you know a George, like Sarah's? And um, Greek names usually end in a vowel and an S. So like Telly Savalas was a Greek guy, right? And I always say, because you're seeing like all this hate from all, to all these different minority groups. And I always tell people, man, we're just like one John Stamos fuck up away from Greeks being like the next targeted minority group in this country. But you can always tell a Greek name because it's like Stamos. It's always a vowel and an S. So I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, do you know a George Caceres? And he's like, yeah, I think I know George. And I'm like, you know, do you know Mike Pappas? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know Mike. Oh, where do you know? Because I was like, I ran across some of your friends online. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, really? Do you know a Heidi Rankin? And he got real quiet. And I was like, yeah, do you know you're in this book? about this call girl and you're in, and like, it's a printout of her little black book and you're actually in there. And it said that you were like part of this little gambling syndicate in DC during the sixties. And you know, he, he copped to it, but he told me he wouldn't talk about it. 
So how mind-blowing is that, Fern? Have you found out something to, like on that level about your parents? Like, he's interwoven with history at this point. I mean, you know, everybody has their path. All, all I know is that maybe MCI would have gone a little farther if they used that as their commercial. You know, you could hear a pin drop. Like, maybe if they had that on their commercial, they might not have gotten bought out by Sprint. But, uh, I mean, everybody's got their past, right? Like, everybody's done things that they're not proud of, things especially that they're not going to, like, brag about to their kids. So, I mean, to me, it's like, it's crazy and mind-blowing, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I did stupid stuff when I was a kid. Did stupid stuff in my younger days. Hell, sometimes I'm still doing stupid stuff now. So, I can't really judge it. Well, my dad kind of forced gumped his way into the history books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he never expected that to get out there and to be like, hey, uh, you're in a little black book, so what's up? Like, we've heard rumors, but why don't you just go ahead and open up? I think the thing that would bother me more so than finding it out would be the secrecy. I mean, look, you're there. We know you're there. It's it's like in print, so just go ahead and level with me. Like, I have that kind of open and honest type relationship with people that are really close to me, so... I think that would bother me more than actually finding it out and having it public. You know what I'm saying? Well, and like I said, I'd always heard stories, and I had actually um, called my mom, and I was like, hey, did you know this, this, and this? And my mom was 19, very naive, grew up in the 60s, little hippy-dippy girl, and she was kind of like, well, some strange things looking in retrospect did go on. And she was like telling me stories out of one of the first times when she started dating my dad. He went to work and left her there. And she had the kitchen was filthy. So she like got on her hands and knees and scrubbed the floorboards, like scrubbed the linoleum. And my dad flipped out on her. I was like, don't ever scrub my floors again. And I was like, he was probably stashing money under the floorboards, right? That's possible. I I never thought about that, but that's, I mean, that's entirely possible. But yeah, I mean, it's got to be a little, how how does it make you feel though? Well, um, she told me another story too. And she's like, one day I went over your father's house when we were dating and the front door was gone. It was like kicked in and I asked what happened. And this has got to be the lamest fucking excuse on earth, right? She said, oh, well, the police kicked it in. They got me confused with another Nick Katsouris. You know, because there's just Nick Cat sources of plenty, like in this country, right? Binders full of Nick Cat sources. Oh my God, that's yes. hysterical. Yeah, that does seem like kind of a bullshit excuse, but, but I, she that, you know, and honestly, she was they're trying to protect girl. you, and she, he's trying to protect her. And I mean, I get it, but sometimes I think honesty is the best policy. You know, when my kid looked at me when he was nine years old and asked me about the Holocaust, I didn't want to sugarcoat it. Of course, I'm not going to like show him pictures and be graphic, but, you know, I told him exactly what happened. If they're old enough to ask questions, then you should be able to explain things in terms that they can understand. Now, I don't know but at nine years old that that would have been a good story for you, but... I mean, if, you're, I, if your son's in his 40s and I run across this, wouldn't you want to just cop to it if you had a cool story how you ran like a gambling syndicate in D.C. and was involved in bringing down the Nixon administration? Like, isn't that something... That you would definitely like want to add 50 years later when you know you're not going to get in any trouble. Wouldn't you want to share that with your son at that point? I mean, he's 75. He doesn't have any laps around the track left. 
But it doesn't. It, but it's so subjective. Like you, as an as an older person, as a seventy five year old, might be like, "Yeah, this is some of the cool shit that I did." But him, he might be a little more reserved, and he might feel differently about it. He might not be happy with it. He might but be not too reserved. You know, to apply numbers to hookers back in the sixties. I mean, people make mistakes. I mean, think about what's thrown out on the internet. All the stuff that's thrown out on the internet, all the comments, all the pictures, all the messages, all that stuff. It's all stored. So people have done some stuff that they're not very Fake proud news. of. So maybe he doesn't want to That's talk about it. That's not a mistake. I wouldn't think of it as <laughs> yeah. a mistake. I would think of it as a glorious moment of my youth. All right. We got tonight's guest in. Dee, who do we have diligently waiting on the line for us? Oh, my gosh. Tonight's guest is probably my favorite person since the Cherry Papa Daddies. And that is definitely saying something because I played that shit on repeat, like, for weeks. Uh, so tonight we have, with the best name ever, Lee Press On from Lee Press On in the Nails. Lee! Hey, kids! Hey, cats and kitties! Hi, everybody out there on the East Coast. It's Lee Press On coming to you live and direct from California. Hey! Damn, Lee, you have a beautiful radio voice. I know, right? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> um, Lee, how's your army of atomic supermen doing tonight? Uh, well, let's see. I got about, uh, about four of them now, and uh, they can't stand up. But uh, I'm working on it. We're getting better. Are they going to protect us from North Korea? Well, it's... Oh, boy. (laughs) Sure, we can (laughs) sling them across the... Away! Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, what they don't tell you during the autopsy is that the the spinal cord is severed as a a routine procedure, so I've got an army of mutant zombies who can't stand up. Sounds like Uh, DC. Yeah, it's back to the drawing board uh, as far as the atomic supermen are concerned. Right, well, we it's really okay because uh, Kim Jong is very short, so they can just get him from the ankles down, and it wouldn't take very long. Oh, we're not talking about that, are we? Oh, geez. You think we'd finally find a guy who's worse at playing Lex Luthor than Jesse Eisenberg? Here is Donald Trump. The absolute worst <laughs> job of Lex Luthor that we've ever seen anybody play. I'd love to have Kevin Spacey back or Gene Hackman, but yeah, Donnie yes. does not have what it takes. Gene Hackman, for sure. All right, let's move on. I've got like 12 hours of stuff I want to talk to you about, compacted into like 40 short moments, or minutes rather. So let's do this, Lee. Um, I ran across you, just to give you a little bit of background here. You popped up on my radar. I ran across you on Bonnie Morgan's Facebook, who happens to be your niece. And I was like, wow, who is this (laughs) interesting, like, dapper young fellow? Let me go check him out. And I got to tell you, I love, love, love everything you do. It is just, I'm going through and I'm checking things out and it's reminiscing like I was one of those trendy assholes that listened to Big Bad Voodoo Daddy back in the 90s. And bought, right. even though I was in the punk world, I went, I was like, look, look how like broad my tastes are. I can listen to swing music too. I'm so hip. And um, I, I'm looking at your history and I have all the wonderful and I guess shocking things I learned about you. Here's what floored me the most. You guys okay. have been together almost 25 years. That is amazing to me. That's true. We played our very first show in October of 1994. Wow. So over this 23, 24-year period, um, how much have you had to evolve that stage show in this long history to kind of keep up with the times? Are you not even think about, because that's so period-driven, do you not even think yeah. about that? All, all the stuff we do is at least, 75 years old so you know the changing times don't really affect us that much in terms of uh, 
in terms of what we play. It does change in terms of how we play it. Right. As a matter of fact, I can now I can now email the guys charts through Dropbox and I can pay them through PayPal. We couldn't do that back when I started. Well, I imagine you were always a mad scientist. I'm sure you're a couple steps ahead of Apple. Yeah, well, yeah, quite physically, I, I can uh-huh. actually, I can run from Apple at, at where I am now. Nice. All right, let me move on to this. Um, I know there's this big revival in the '90s with all these swing bands. Were you? Did you enjoy playing back then more because the music was so mainstream and accessible and probably really easy to get gigs? Or do you like it more now that it's kind of pushed out in the mainstream because it gives you, you know, you're more unique, you're more special now that we're not being dominated by this swing revival for ten minutes like we were in the uh, mid nineties. Let me let me tell you about the go go nineties, there, son. Uh, okay, Grandpa, I'm listening. I'm listening, <laughs> Uncle Lee. That the swing scene was not big in '94 when we started. We we got gigs in like regular bars where no one knew how to dance. They would just stand and look at us and go, "Wow, that's that's interesting." But uh, swing didn't really hit and become big until around '97 or '98. So the guys the guys who were plugging away before then, like um, Royal Crown Review, Levee Smith, yeah. yours truly. I mean, we were doing a thankless job up until around 96, 97, when people finally started to take notice. And then Swing was really huge for two years, and then Big Bad Voodoo Daddy got to play the Super Bowl, and the Swing movement was dead the following Monday. It was weird. And that was from that movie Swingers, right? Isn't that what kind of the catalyst that kind of jump-started this whole movement? Uh, Propelled it into the mainstream? Swingers was more of an effect than a cause. If you want a cause, I would say the film Swing Kids, which no one remembers now. But I do. it uh, was a bunch of kids and, and swinging, and it's called Swing Kids. Really wasn't that great, but it had a bunch of cool swing music in it that really got everybody uh, excited. You know, we have that movie here on DVD, D. I just don't ever watch it because I, I do remember. remember that movie. I picked it up in like a dollar bin a few years oh, ago. Oh, no. I remember. And at my prom, my senior year, we had one room that played rap and stuff from the radio that my friends and I avoided like the plague. And then we had another room where we danced that only played swing music. And it was magical and there you wonderful. Go. And I love wow, it. Wow, very oh, check um, out that movie to see a teenage Christian Bale, by the way. Yeah. Never heard of that. See, that sounds <laughs> pretty movie, segregated for pre Mike Pence, Indiana. It was, but I loved it. Dude, we loved swing. Like, my friends and I were all about it. And we could do it, too. And it was awesome. I loved it. Loved it. Mm. Yeah, I was about well, that's, when that hit. Th- I'm there's sorry, something to be said to go from like mainstream music to something different i mean and i've always been into swing but when everybody was listening to like madonna and new kids on the block i had this stereo that had a cassette tape and of course i did what every kid did in the 80s and i recorded songs off the radio but it had a turntable on top and i would go up and grab my parents vinyl and i would listen to things like deep purple and herman's hermits and i pulled a hot butter album out and I started listening to popcorn and I think you know where I'm going with this I was amazed that I heard that popcorn remix and I was like oh my god that's awesome and I totally thought it was hot butter and I started doing some research and I didn't realize 
that this song was not originally done by Hot Butter. It was actually done by a guy named Gershon Kingsley in 1969, but made huge by Hot Butter in 1972. And that was the version that I had heard. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that is awesome. So I put the original version on today and I'm like, oh my God, that is so much different and so badass. But I was impressed when I saw that. I was just like, smack my popcorn. This is awesome. This is why you're the researcher of the show, Fern. Wow. You really dug in deep. Yeah. Perry and Kingsley were a synth duo from the 60s. They (laughs) They were a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and they, he like put this thing out, and they're like, yeah, we're just going to make stuff that will make you move. So here you go. And that was yeah. one of them. And, but it wasn't, I, mean, I think it blew up to like number nine on the charts when Hot Butter did it. And I was like, it's so simple. It's synthesized. It's great. It makes you move. It makes you feel happy. But I know as a kid, hearing that today, I was like, man, this is great, because it was so nostalgic, and it just made me so happy as a kid and just want to bounce around. It was just it's awesome. It was awesome I, and I random was just and great. Old enough to remember when the Hot Butter version was a hit on the radio, and I remember listening to it like at three or four and going, "I like stuff that sounds like this." <laughs> That's, yeah. Little did you know. It was and then a little later on, on, I saw Star DNA. Wars for the first time, and I looked at R two D two, and I said, "I want to make music that sounds like that." So, I became an electronic musician, but I always had a uh, a uh, a. Uh, uh, an appreciation for big band music because when I was six years old uh, I pulled out one of my mom's my mom listened to everything and she one afternoon I pulled out a Billy May record and I listened to it and he had a sense of humor to his arrangements that not a lot of other big band people have Um, and that's when I said I'd love to make music like that but I could never get a band big enough or I could never be enough I could never be musically talented enough to make music like that until I saw Royal Crown Review and how they managed to get such a big sound with only three horns and I thought maybe it is possible so with between that and a little movie called The Mask which featured Royal Crown Review yes. that gave me the courage necessary to start Lee Press On and the Nails. Magnificent. And, you know, talking about, like, your electronic music, you had sent me a link to your SoundCloud, and I was going <laughs> through and listening to that stuff, and there, like, that song, Pain, like, there is some incredible stuff on there. How do you make creative choices as far as, hey, I'm going to do this with the boys, and I'm going to save this just for myself, or I'm going to stick this on my Patreon page? How are you making those kind of creative decisions? Well, it all depends on the type of song. I mean, I like all kinds of music, and some of the music I like, I can't play with the band. So I do it here. I, I tinker it together, you know. I like, I like electronic music as much as I like swing, and those are my two, those are the two avenues that I choose to meander down. Right on. Well, you know, we're going to play Irritate Your Mind, and that's an example of a song that I listened to on your Patreon page. I suggest everybody go and subscribe. I'm a subscriber. Yes, please do. And I'm a tightwad, so if I can loosen a purse swing, so can you, America. But anyways, um, I was like, why is this not being played with the band? Because this song is just amazing in every way. Okay. Well, why don't you play it, and I'll show you. I'll tell you afterwards why I don't play with the band. Uh, D, you heard Lee. Lee's calling the shots here.
a shrimp inside a suitcase lying on a window ledge Like a pair of cotton slippers and they're underneath the hedge Like a scoutmaster at daybreak putting peanuts in his clothes Like a specially formed ice arch for climbing over dogs Like a sardine in a hairnet and he's staring at a priest These things you'll find constantly irritate our minds Like a sugar unicycle that's been ridden by a fork Or a bum bag owned by Jesus that can miraculously talk Like a lemon peel with sideburns fighting off a bearded crab Or like Bono with a tube top on the choir master's lap Like an elaborate eating system apparently in Kent These things you'll find constantly irritate our minds With an afro throwing sparklers at the Pope Like a family of foxes and they're glowering at some soap Like a lump of Nazi nougat marching down the avenue Like a Tudor vacuum cleaner saying how do you do Like a Spice Girl having sex upon a television set These things you'll find constantly irritate our minds And meanwhile, I'm up here, beer in hand, go. actually jiggling in my pajamas to this. It's Me an infectious song. It really <laughs> it is. is. Me too. Well, thank you very much. And the reason why we don't do it with a band is because there are no horns in it. Ah. And, but is, that's something that could be added in, though, right? I can't, I can't give a song like that to the band and then say to the horns, you guys sit this one out. Except for you and the trumpet, you get to do like two measures at the beginning, and then you lay out the whole thing. I mean, that's so He's good. such a <laughs> benevolent band leader. Oh well, I try. I I orchestrate each show so that each player gets a chance to solo throughout the evening. Everybody, and uh, I, you know, because because I got a good band. I don't mind telling you. I I uh, I get most of my players from Sonoma State University, which is a very good school here in California. For they've got a great music program, and I always scroll, you know, I always creep around there whenever I need new nails. And uh, I forgot where I was going with this, but they're very good. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I tried to do a little bit of digging and find like the history of the actual band members. I went on your web page, and they had the current lineup. How much has the lineup changed over the years? Do you have any of the original members? Are you changing them out like Menudo every two or three no, but- years? I do. I, I've had I've had in twenty three years I think I've I counted once. I've had over a hundred and thirty five nails. Holy shit. In twenty three years. Two of them uh have been with me the longest, but they still were not at the first show. So the two of them Marco on Alto Sax and Stuart on bass joined us in maybe ninety six, ninety seven. Wowzers. So and they've gone away and come back and other other members have gone away and come back and then new members have come in. So, yeah. Well, but about a million years now, ago, I was in a punk band called Even Steven and we went through members, God, almost monthly until we found that perfect like incarnation where everything just clicked. It, is the music like so manifest that you have the same chemistry, you can ride the same vibe no matter who's behind you, or do you have to mix it up and make adjustments? Well, 
I try to I try to score. I do arrangements for the band, so I try to take uh, the lineup into account. I score each song comparing uh, according to the band's strength. So, uh, what was the question again? So basically, are are you with this lineup? Let's say in two thousand and twelve, and it just yeah. feels like a clicks better than the lineup you had in like let's say ninety nine or the lineup you currently have. Or is the music itself such a center of attention that it's pretty interchangeable, where the chemistry isn't a big hurdle to overcome? Oh, I see. But change uh, the sound of the band does change over time. There was a time when we had a piano player for a while instead of a guitar mm. player. And then there was a time, um, about the time we did our ballroom album, which is entitled Balls, Balls in, your in Your Face. Yes. About that time, we had a father and son duo in the horn section on saxophone, and wow. they could also play clarinet. So I got to score for Clarinet Trio, which sounds really great. Nice. And that was love. But now I don't have clarinets in the band anymore, so I gave the clarinet section to the saxophones, and that's a whole different really cool sound. So, yeah, the sound of the band changes according to who I'm, I'm scoring it for. So it sounds like you're flexible, right? Um, that's the, what I'm getting from this whole conversation. The message is Lee Presson is very flexible. I can bend over backwards. Very well. Um, hey, I'm glad you... Once again, you're always two steps ahead of me. I'm glad you brought up Balls in Your Face. That album, which I downloaded, I love, by the way, came out, though, back, and you can download that on Amazon. Um, That's true. It, yeah, it came out in 2010. I know you guys have a huge catalog. Are you planning on releasing a new album, or is that like kind of not been, your MO? I've been working on it. Yeah, I've been working on it for the past couple of years, but, you know, I don't have a lot of money. I just dress as though I do. You so, are very dapperly. Very dapper. <laughs> so it's all a question of, of gathering the funds to get the boys back into the studio. But yeah, I'm working on it. Right on. I know um, I, when I first had asked Fern, because usually I, my co-host is Odell, and he had some family health issues. So Fern, who is my co-host from Kettle of Fish and our political show, I, she had even asked, you had even asked Fern before I asked you to fill in. You said, hey, can I call in for a few minutes because I love this music so much and I love Lee so much. Hello. Yeah, you had sent me, he had sent me the, uh, the Hot for Teacher cover. And I was just like, man, uh, I hate this song. Not how you did it. I just absolutely abhor the song in general. And I was listening yeah. to it, and I'm like, this actually makes me like this song. This is crazy. Like, of course, I like swing, and I like jazz and all that other stuff. And I started, like, digging in a little deeper, and then Nick sent me the SoundCloud, and I'm listening to some of this different stuff. And I even pulled my 14-year-old out here today, and I'm like, dude, you have to listen to this thing called Light switch rave because he listens uh -huh. to a lot of music on um uh for a geometry dash he listens to a lot of dubstep he likes a lot of you know eclectic things and i'm like dude come listen to this and he was dancing and he's like mom i really love this and i get down to the end and i see gustav holst mars and i listen and i'm like this is fantastic. I'm like a huge oh, Gustav you. Holst fan. I've been known mm -hmm. to just put the whole album on just to clean my house to get motivated. And I was like, again, very random. Did Nathan you don't think hear you were a square? Well, she, he's like, what is this oldie music you're playing me, Mom? 
Well, it's, it's really crazy because this is a very intricate piece of music, and it does invoke a lot of emotion. But when you said earlier about, you know, seeing R2-D2 and being like, yeah, I want to make music like that too, like that's exactly yeah. the vibe that I got from Mars and the sensitization that went on. I don't know if I said that correctly. But yeah. I was just like picturing like the year 3718 and a war between, you know, the Earth and Mars and Futurist. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. So, yeah. I from that one song that I just didn't like at all. I was just like, this guy's cool as hell. I got to check more out. I mean, you, your diversity blows me away. From Hulse to Hot Butter to Nirvana to I mean to the original pieces like <laughs> the Light Switch Rave was funny as hell. You know, just all that stuff. I just love it. I love what you do. Well, Lee's a musician. The stuff, the, the stuff on my SoundCloud is just nothing more than stuff that. I find amusing at the time, and I say, "Well, let's let's record this and throw it out there." Dee, I know you wanted to jump in here. She's yeah, manically it, messaging me. <laughs> it's funny that uh, Fern, you brought the kids out to, or Nathan to bring out, you know, to listen to it because we actually had our older two listen to some Lee Press on last night. I think it was last night, and um, I, we have a daughter who plays the clarinet and the oboe and a son who happens to play the bells and the marimba and i said hey you need to play this because he's he's the tech kid he's the video game kid he's the computer kid i'm like you see that that could be you in 10 years (laughs) yeah we were showing him your birthday video it was like the robot song and dj was just blown away from watching that so you're having an impact on the younger generation yes Okay, cool. When we first started the band, I was—I just had a keyboard on stage, and then my drummer said, "Hey, you got—you play keyboards, and you're not a bad drummer. Have you ever considered vibes?" So my yeah. my career as a vibraphonist is exactly as old as my career with the nails, but uh, it's a fun—it's a fun instrument to play. Absolutely. All right, I want to move on and, to and of this. course the audience enjoys it seeing. Uh, people hit things with sticks. Of course. That's always entertaining. Of course. <laughs> so, I, look, I was reading some stuff about you, and I, I kept running across these things like goth swing, steampunk, neo swing. Do you care about labels? Like when people try to pigeonhole you? Like, because it's hard to pin you down, right? You're so diverse. It's hard for anybody to go, listen to this. This is what this is. Do you care when all these different magazines are labeling you, trying to give you your own little label because they can't pin you down? As long as they spell the name right. I. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm a goth swing, sinister swing, you know, stuff with a sinister bent. We, we make it a point to try and learn as many songs with hell and devil in the title as possible. <laughs> well, that's an all-American thing to do, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just to show, just to show that. Oh, oh. You think satanic lyrics showed up in like '80s hair metal bands? Let me play you a song from 1934. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they have what's called what is it? The devil chord or the devil note? Like it's even back. Fifth. Yeah, the diminished fifth. This is why I love talking to an actual musician as opposed to some obnoxious punk rocker who just beat on his bass and didn't even know how to play it. The diminished fifth, that's exactly right. So I don't think people have a grasp of that history, the average like Joe on the street, right? (laughs) There's a quote that I enjoy, which is, um, which it comes up, black metal bands have nothing on American popular music when it comes to satanic references. And that right. was uh, 
Anton LaVey said that. <laughs> Anton LaVey, yeah, that's, um, do you know who that is, Fern? No, no I don't, actually. Right here in San Francisco. He is the, uh, he's the head of the Church of Satan, I think. Yes, he wrote the Satanic Bible. I bet you he's yes, a fun he guy to party with. Oh, he was that, well. That's crazy. You know, I listen to something like The Boogeyman, and I don't think of it as like, I don't think of it as like creepy, like scary, like Halloween scary, or like fun Halloween type thing. I'm, I think I, I've met people like that in a bar. Like, <laughs> you know, like I've met people out who are just that creepy, but creepy fun, but creepy, mm, stay away from me, but still, yeah, you're not that bad. You're not too dangerous. And but I'll maybe on a whim, I'll tear you limb from limb. In other words, I'll That's, put you on the spot. Exactly. Yeah, that, was, that was great. That was great. I mean, yeah, hit up the gold mine in Waldorf where I grew up at six in the morning and you'll see some of the most sinister people you've ever like guys who are just <laughs> standing at the door like it's a girl at an NSYNC concert waiting for the gold mine to open so they can get yeah. in there and start drinking vodka at 6 a.m. It's crazy. Yeah, I think I get enough of that at the grocery store. I'm not going to just go to a bar and yeah, no, that's I'm good. I'm cool. I'm all Sometimes set. Perspective <laughs> clock, get a little get a little scared they go are, are are you are you guys okay for an all-ages show i mean you're supposed to be spooky everything and i say no we're about as scary as a scooby-doo episode when you get down to it <laughs> yeah it's all a big facade it's all just for fun and i love doing all-ages shows because i love exposing this music to children i love exposing myself to children you can you can clip that out and use yeah, that i was gonna say can i use that as a sound clip for the episode i'm sure you'll get a lot of attention Every, Every single comes- listener just dropped their line. <laughs> <laughs> We're having some fun out here in San Francisco, kids. Every time a kid comes up to me, let me put it another way. Every time a kid is pushed up to me by their parents to tell me that they enjoyed the show, I always ask them, did you like this kind of music? And they say yes. And so that's, then I know I've done a good job. The more kids I can get interested in jazz, the more successful I am. How are you doing among, like, the millennials, though, like the apathetic 22-year-old? Are you, are you seeing much of that in your crowds, or is it mostly people like our age or people maybe in their 30s and older? Millennials don't care. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think so. They don't pay for music. No. That's absolutely uh, right. These crazy kids today with their EDM and their Instachats and their Snapgrams, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that topped it. That's our soundbite for the episode. Hey, um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about before we got to go, besides like just producing and making like fucking mountains of manacle music, maniacal music, you're also an actor and you have played Edgar Allan Poe on more than one occasion, right? On an annual occasion. Exactly. We have here in San Francisco something called the Dickens Christmas Fair, which happens once a year at Christmas. And um, I have, for the past 27 years, been playing Edgar Allan Poe at the Dickens Christmas Fair. Wow, so longer. So why didn't you, like, pivot into full-on acting? How did you get into the swing thing if you've been doing the acting thing for even longer? I started out. I started out wanting to be on the stage because my father was a director. And uh, he would put me in his shows, and I got got the, the bug. I got the performance bug. And then I realized um, that music was easier to memorize than lines. So 
Gotcha. Well, you know, Bonnie, I was talking with Bonnie the other day, and she said that you do the best Ed Wood that I'll ever see in my life. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> once, you get, cool. once you get me in the, in the tie and the vest, it's, it's, it becomes, it becomes uh, natural, because I've got that kind of, of Ed Wood, Gomez Adams, John Waters type look. Yeah, that's what I was actually saying. Like you're the perfect mix between like John Waters, Edgar Allan Poe, and Alice Cooper, who is actually I am the John Waters of jazz. Yes, I could not argue that point. All right, let me hit this last point with you because we got to wrap this up in a few minutes. I want to talk about your stage show. Yeah, we've only got till nine, so let me hit this last thing with you. Alice Cooper, as I mentioned, my all-time favorite performer. Even though I kind of grew up in the punk world. Ever since I was nine, I dressed up as Alice Cooper for Halloween. I love his theatrics. He's very steeped in vaudeville. When And I've seen your stage show. I've seen a bunch of different incarnations online. Were you an Alice Cooper fan? Were you a vaudeville? Like, I have to imagine some vaudeville has rubbed off on you. A vaudeville fan? Tell me a little bit about the stage show, because I think the stage show is what kind of makes the whole Lee Press on universe. Well, um... Basic, visually, I wanted to put the audience in the mind of a of a Max Fleischer cartoon. Uh, Betty Boop, Popeye, the really old black yeah. and white thing. Yeah, the idea that anything could happen that you know a, a, a table could walk away, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, the reason why I wear such crazy eye makeup on the stage is because I want to look like a silent movie villain. So there's all kinds of of really old influences at work visually but that kind of that kind of crazy um marx brothers anything can happen attitude on the stage that's that's what i'm attempting to foster with the rock solid swing foundation underneath it right on so were you big into like vaudeville and things like that or is this like this is this is what I'm creating out of my own mind, or how much of that old like vaudevillian type of imagery is what is kind of propelling you creatively, or is all of this just kind of from scratch? Uh, yeah, I would say that yes, a great deal of my '30s band, my '30s band is based on imagery from the '30s. Yes. That is the safe assumption, sir. <laughs> I nailed it. I'm always nailing it, Fern. I'm so studious and astute and just perceptive, ain't I, Fern? You are. Is nothing that gets by you, not once. Nothing. I'm asking these questions from 1935. So yeah, we would want to. We would want to evoke the era of 1935. That is. You that are correct, like a sir. Smart choice. So you're not you dressing up like the nail with your ice head on that one. Yeah, I feel like a big winner this episode. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Saucy did it. All right, so when you're measuring the stage show against the music, are you building the stage show? Because I noticed that it kind of changes. I saw the um, pictures of you as the Joker. Are you building this kind of around the set list? Are you doing a set list and saying, okay, I'm going to build out from that? How are you building this as far as creatively? And is it all depending on the shows? Are you playing like something that looks different at a wedding than you are at like a big yearly festival that you do, kind of like Hubba Hubba and stuff? When we do the when we do the ballroom shows, we slow it down a little bit to make it easier for the ballroom dancers to dance. And when we're doing an an, an out <laughs> when we're doing an all ages show, I won't use colorful language. Uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah, we do we do tailor each show to the audience that comes to see it. 
Right on. Up. Let me get Fern in here. I've got the internet window open. Fern, I'm, I'm monopolizing yeah. all these time here. No, okay. it's it's cool. But you you asked that question about you know wedding was kind of thrown in there, and I listened to Molly's wedding, and I was ah. listening to it, and I was like, yeah, it's really unique, and it's very um, dark, but awesome. But it's dark and happy, which is great because when I listen to music, oh, I like so uh, Molly, lyrics. Really. Well, that was going to be my question. Was that made specifically for someone's wedding? I wanted to know if that was just something that you're just like, hey, it would be cool if somebody got married like this, or was it for a person? That was a commission. That was for Molly Morgan. Uh, that Molly's is Sister Molly. When she, when she got married, she said, can you make me a really spooky wedding march? I said, yeah, I can do that. Aww. <laughs> nice. So where does this go from here? What do you, what is the grand goal? What is the dream come true? Or are you living the dream come true? I am going to drop dead of a heart attack on stage, and it's going to be a hell of a show. All right. Well, I'm rooting for you. I then. don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen, so I can't really plan it in advance. All you can do is come to each show, saying maybe this is the show where he drops dead. There you so, go. Yeah, come to the shows, folks. Everybody <laughs> so now feel has the heart to attack coming drop. on. You should have like a chest ready, a, a trunk ready full of goodies. Like, okay, this is like my Daffy Duck ultimate like drinking dynamite and gunpowder powder scene to outdo Bugs Bunny. Exactly, yeah. I'm going to I love doing this. I love doing this band. This band particularly, I could form another band, but it wouldn't be as good as this one. Um and I love playing this music and I'm only completely happy when I'm on a stage in front of people. So I plan to do this for as long as humanly possible. That sounds like a very positive and upbeat um, note to end on from the man who's in a mad scientist laboratory with Atomic Superman and singing about the devil. So let's go ahead and end there. <laughs> but before you go, right. Lee, please tell everybody where all the cool kids can find you on the interwebs. You can come and see me at LeePressOn.com and from there you have links to come check me out on Facebook and Instagram and and all those other uh, cool millennial places. And last but not least, Patreon. You can come and see, you can come and hear uh, Irritate Our Minds because it's only released as a demo for the Patreon folks. We gave you a sneak peek of my Patreon page. Yeah, for yeah, $5 a month, it's a killer deal. I don't really, I think I have one other Patreon page, and I like, I actually am really enjoying Patreon when you get to put stuff up there. Yeah, it's helpful. It really, it really helps. Um, our next show is on October the 28th, big Halloween due on the USS Hornet. Wow. I don't know. Do you, do you guys know about the Hornet out there? It's an I aircraft don't. carrier in Alameda, it's a big giant ship. Where, you know, in Alameda, where they keep the nuclear vessels. You know, well, that's you crazy because when be you said, us. yeah, when you said you're going to, like, go on stage, I was like, hey, do it at a USO show. That way you can be co- helicoptered out because that would be cool. What would be better than to be helicoptered out? Like, but don't do it then. Just don't do it then. No. The next one. Like, yes. years and years down the road, the next one. <laughs> okay. I do take requests, only because you said. There you go. All righty, Lee, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Um, When you finally get a new album out, I will definitely have you back because I'm looking forward to see what you have up your sinister sleeve next. Excellent. I'd love to say hello to Leslie Presley, who's out there in New York somewhere. Hello, dear. How are you? Yeah, I watched a video um, of you and her earlier today, actually. 
Yes, yes. She was, uh, we're not married anymore. She's married to someone else and living in New York now, but we were always dynamite on stage. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys have quite the history. Yeah. So that's good. It's really coincidental that you actually said that because I was just watching that video of you guys on stage today, as a matter of fact. So I can't even imagine. Yeah. (laughs) All righty, Lee. I would thank you very much. And Dee, what song are we ending with? Because I know we are ending with another great Lee Presson classic. Yes. Are we? Probably one of my favorites, The Hatback Boogie. Ah, See you next week, guys. Thanks, Lee. All right. So long, everybody. See me again And the past two months Have been on the plane It's hard to bring you A parade full of rain I just bought my hat back I know it's not what you expected Sorry to leave you all rejected But my head's got to be protected I just bought my hat back I know you'd rather eat a bun Than go find someone new Save it for some other luck I gotta show you too Won't you please get above your knees Keep all my CDs, I just want my hat back. Oh,